Premier Jewelry Store. I always love when Real Xavier P tweets me because he always makes uh, makes this uh, this sponsored segment easy. Real Xavier P on Twitter. You are crazy, Spence. Literally, lockdown defenses is why the Steelers and Ravens are even considered top teams and consistently over 500. If you have a great defense, then you add a quarterback at, at Watson's level. Man, look at the 49ers. Give me a great defense. I'm not saying I don't want a great defense. I'll take it. I'll take a trip to the playoffs, however it'll come this year. But we all, we, but can we all wrap our head around the idea that this team, the way this team was built, and when they go out and get Deshaun Watson, our expectation for him and for the offense is that they're top ten, at least top ten. That's what. The, that's what. The, that's where our our minds went, and that's the level that this thing got raised to. When you add a guy like Deshaun Watson and answer that question of finally did this team find a franchise quarterback? They think so. I think a lot of us agree. So if that's the case, if you're giving a three first-round picks for a guy, giving him a fully guaranteed contract, which, again, I don't care all that much about the money. It's not my money. It's not your money. But it still is part of the picture of getting Deshaun Watson and – Basically dubbing him your franchise quarterback. All these things are part of that narrative. And part of that, uh, they're the context to the story of why Deshaun Watson's here and what he's supposed to do. None of us went into this whole deal thinking, oh shoot, the Browns added Deshaun Watson? Well, all we need now is a great defense and we're going to be set. No, 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 no. We all went into this saying, with Deshaun Watson, even if the defense isn't perfect, we should be okay. And that's why I'll have some hesitations because, yeah, a one-off year where the defense is great. And, 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 to, and to real Xavier P's point, yes, the Steelers and the Ravens have established that they are some of the better defensive thinking teams and cultures in football. I'm not disputing that. They have established that they are – what do we always hear after these Browns and Steelers and Ravens and Steelers and Ravens and Bengals games? It's always AFC North football. It's tough. It's hard nosed. It's physical. That is, I, I think, that title that we give this division's football presence comes from watching all those years of Steelers defenses be dominant and Ravens defenses be dominant with Ray Lewis and. Troy Polamalu on Pittsburgh. And we had to put up with that from a distance and watch it all play out. And basically be victims of of that, be at their mercy all those years here in Cleveland. And so, yeah, if we get a defense that kind of levels the score there and is in the mix, great. But the Browns at this point, like, what is their – what do they establish from a culture standpoint? They haven't established some – elite, consistent level of defensive play year in and year out that I just believe that if they come back next year, they'll be able to replicate that performance again from this year. I mean, we've seen Miles Garrett in this defense for, what, five years now, six years now? And they have been woefully different every single year. They've had good years. They've had bad years. Last year was a disaster. 
Like it, it's it's yeah, like they're staple pieces that are going to be important to their success. But like I said, like I, I just think defenses are like bullpens. You can't count on every year it's going to be that top level, top flight defense every single year. I think for most teams that's true. Yes, there's exceptions to the rule. There's some teams that their defense is their focal point. Their defense is their calling card. Pittsburgh and Baltimore come to mind because they're close by. They're in the division. Uh, I think New England's always kind of been that way with Bill Belichick's mindset sort of being there. But year to year, these things are very, very fluid and they change. What was supposed to be the consistent thing with the Browns in adding Deshaun Watson was that you had a franchise quarterback that no matter what your defense looked like, you could win games because that guy's that good. I mean, look at the Chiefs right now. The Chiefs are in a situation with Chris Jones, their best defensive player, who's currently in the middle of a holdout. There's rumors galore that he's going to get traded somewhere and that he wants out and they're shopping him. And even if they trade Chris Jones, we will all still view the Chiefs as a Super Bowl contender because of who they have under center. That is my point. That's my point. We expect Deshaun Watson to crown the Browns as this constant contender. We expect that with him on this roster, they are in it every single year. And so if we don't see him play to that top 10 quarterback level this year and the offense is just okay, and yeah, the defense is great, sure. Again, I'm going to take the playoff appearance however I get it. I'm not going to be mad about making the playoffs. But I will be weary of the next couple years because I wonder if they can keep the defense playing at a high level consistently. And I wonder if there maybe is something missing for Deshaun Watson here and whether or not he is still that guy. That is my point. Because that's what we thought we were getting. And if we don't get that, I think it's okay to have questions even if this team makes the playoffs. It's okay to be excited and still have questions about what the future looks like with this offense if they're just okay. And if Deshaun is just okay. I think Deshaun's still going to be a top 10 quarterback. I think you have a situation here where the Browns could have a top five defense, or at least top 10, and I think they should. Deshaun plays the level I think he can. Also have a top 10 offense. And that's the perfect storm right there. That's what you're hoping for. We also saw in previous, like the the Bengals come to mind. The Bengals' defense last year was middle of the road. They're like 15th, 16th around the league in, in, in most of the categories that you would use to uh, rank a defense. But their offense was that good. And a couple years ago, Real Xavier P brought this up on Twitter as well, that the Super Bowl run year, they had one of the best defenses in football, top five. Um, and their offense kind of, you know, they had some they, they had some some slow games and it was not all like lighting it up like we think of them now. And they won, a, they won a lot of those playoff games because they had a really good kicker, which there's a, an example of kicking mattering. Perfect example. And he's right about that. But the reason that the Bengals are able to stay Super Bowl contenders, even when their defense is not as good, which is what we got last year, is because they have Joe Burrow under center. That's my main point here. And I do think, too, yes, I mentioned there's certain focal players that will be part of this defense 
And so that gives you some confidence that you can replicate some things. I do also think that Jim Schwartz's presence uh, allows you to replicate some things. I hope to God that him being here for X a number of years helps the Browns do establish themselves as a defensive juggernaut moving forward, maybe like their counterparts in this division. But by and large, man, you look around this league, year to year these defenses can be so wildly different. And the Bengals proved that last year, and yet they still were a game and maybe really just a play even away for making it back to the Super Bowl. 216-474-992 if you want to jump in on this. Also on Twitter, at Spencito, underscore at the end of it there. Let's go to Lowell in Ashtabula County. What's up, Lowell? Hey, good show. I like, I like your style. Appreciate it, man. Um, my, the Schwartz is going to help us become a much tougher team, and we are in a hard-nosed division. My opinion, this is just my opinion, Kevin Stefanski is not a hard-nosed coach. Okay, he's a perfect political mouthpiece for the Browns. And Deshaun, whether he shakes the rust off or not, there's a kid right behind him that will take his spot. So, I mean, I don't know how much money they spend and all that stuff and all his baggage and everything. It doesn't really matter to me. You think that DTR can play to that level already? I tell you what, that kid will go out there and give it a freaking college try. And if he does nothing but hands the ball off to Nick Chubb, we'll be fine. Mm. We'll be just fine. Okay, well, no, 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 I, I hear you. It's, 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 it's funny you say that. I gotta let you, I appreciate the comment. Thanks for giving us a, a ring. I, it's funny you say that because, and we'll get to this in the fan focus and brought this up at the end of the show today. If Deshaun Watson were to get hurt and you handed it over to DTR and he played well, there'd be a lot of Browns fans who were just clamoring for, we don't need Deshaun Watson. Keep DTR out there. And I guarantee you there's people out there right now who, based off this preseason alone, would rather see DTR play than Deshaun Watson. And a lot of it has to do with the -the off-the-field stuff for Deshaun. A lot of it has to do with they question their fandom with Deshaun under center, and it becomes a moral problem for them and a moral dilemma for them. And with DTR, you don't have to worry about that. He's a young kid, straight out of college. He's had a good preseason. Riding high, there's a lot of good vibes around him. Fans are happy. He's the only other quarterback on this roster right now. So it's easy to ride his uh, r- ride the wave right now on DTR and feel really good about it versus go all in and cheer for Deshaun Watson, which is another reason why Deshaun Watson has to play well. Because we spent a lot of years drafting quarterbacks that then we had to listen to callers say, well, why not start the rookie? Why not start the rookie? Why not start the young guy behind him? I don't know if I'm ready to put all my eggs in the DTR basket just yet. He's a fifth-round pick. He's going to need more time to develop. He did look good in the preseason. I think that's encouraging. Clearly, it was encouraging to the organization because they were so they felt so good about it that they kept him around and moved on from Josh Dobbs. But I'm not ready for those calls, which is another reason along the lines of this conversation that I'll be a little bit worried if the offense is just mid and the defense is great, and they make the playoffs because I need this offense to be great. The defense can be great too, but I need the offense to be great. 216-474-0092. When we get back, sometimes you just got to let go and move on. The healing starts now for us as Browns fans. We'll get to that. We got Daryl Ryder coming up at 9. With Daryl Ryder being at 9, 
We will push back the fan focus until 10. We'll do it a little bit later in the show. Jake Murrow will jump in with us on uh, Off the Beaten Path later on. Another thing as well, guys, I found out something about my wife the other day that I joked with her would have been a deal breaker if I had known before we got married. I was, I was totally tongue-in-cheek. I was totally kidding. But I do want to know, what are some true deal breakers that would prevent you from dating somebody? 216-474-992. We'll get to that a little bit later. We are off and running here tonight on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Spencer German filling in for JP on the fan. If you want to get in at all uh, throughout the night, particularly on any of the Browns topics we've hit on so far, I got to tell you guys, as a new, I'm st- I would say I'm still a new parent. I've, I've only been doing this for a year. I uh, There's days where I think I have reached like the worst day of parenthood. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like I'm, I'm miserable being a parent. I just mean... There are some days that just don't go your way, and you're like, how can it get any worse than this as a parent? And then you know there's always something else that's going to come down the line. Like, we're only a year into this thing. I can't imagine by the time my son gets to a teenager and the, and the, and the, the crap I'm going to have to deal with then. I mean, that's a, that's years and years away. I'm gonna, that, that's future Spencer's problem. But for today, uh, this this had to take the cake as, like, the worst day of uh, my young time being a parent, my short time being a parent. I, and this is why my day was just a complete, I, I said earlier in the show, it was a day today for me. This is why. I uh, I was working from home today for my daytime job because I had some people come into the house to do some work. I had some plumbing issues. I need to get checked out, some other things. And no, that is not a uh, an, innuendo, an innuendo for something else. I am certainly not cheating on my wife. That is not what I meant. Anyway, anywho, I had all these grand plans to work from home, get some stuff done, and get some things done around the house at the same time with these people coming. I had to get our, our I have a, we have a chainsaw that I need fixed because there's some things I need to get chopped up at the backyard. So I was gonna, I, I was all set to have this productive day today. And I wake up, I let my son sleep in a little bit because he had a little bit of a rough night last night. Now I think I know why. Uh, he. I get him up, bring him down, trying to get him to eat breakfast. He's been very picky with breakfast lately, so he wasn't eating much. And at some point, I was just like, all right, we're just going to throw some Cheerios in a bag. We'll eat them on the way. We'll give them to the day, our, our daycare person, and we'll we'll keep it moving. I pick him up out of his high chair. I start walking towards the door to go get him in the car, pick up his diaper bag, and he projectile vomits. All down the front of his clothes, all down the front of my clothes. There is a puddle on the floor in front of our refrigerator. It is an absolute mess. And I'm just standing there with the most shocked look on my face ever. First of all, one thing that people close to me know about me is that I hate puke. I, there's not a lot of people that do like puke, but I it, like it was so bad when I was a kid that I like when my brother would get sick. We shared a room. I would sprint out of the room. 
it was bad, like real bad, how much I hate it. And I would always joke with my wife that one day when we have kids, I'll do as many dirty diapers as you want, but you got to take care of it when our kids get sick to the point where they're they're, they're throwing up because I, I can't do it. It's the smell. It's everything. And I, I just can't do it. And here I was on my own. The first real experience that either of us have had with our child. He burped up when he was really little, but that's different. It's like, you know, the they're, they're developing. There's like that flap in their throat that hasn't developed yet or whatever, so they can't keep milk down. So, like, that's completely different. You kind of expect that. It doesn't smell quite as bad, um, and you're just kind of expecting it. It doesn't get all over the place. This was, I kid you not, all over the place. And at first I was trying to still kind of rally and be like, okay, maybe it was just like a one-off. Maybe it was just a one-off and I can still take him to daycare. We'll get him cleaned up. We'll get him redressed and we'll go. Get him in the car. And we get like five minutes down the road and he just throws up again. All over his car seat. And that at that point I knew my day was ruined. Because I had to go home. I had to clean him up again. I had to give him a bath this time because it was all on like his actual skin now. Um, it was in his car seat, so I had to take time to strip the car seat of all the parts, throw that in the wash. By the time I finally sat down on the day that I thought I was going to be super productive, it was already like 1130 in the morning, and there was a list of things I had ready to get done in the morning. Didn't get them done. The one thing that went right was that he was napping when the plumber got there. So I was able to take care of the things that I needed to around the house with that. But I didn't get to run any of the errands that I had. I didn't get to finish a lot of the work that I had done today. It was just a complete wash of a day. And, of course, I'm the one who has to deal with the first day of our child actually being, like, stomach bug sick. Lovely. Just what I wanted. <laughs> and I had to prep for a show on top of that. Man, somehow I'm here and somehow I pulled it off. But... It was not easy for me today. And that, my friends, was truly, the. It, it takes the cake so far for worst day as a parent to this point. And I know I'm young in this. There's going to be worse ones. But today was it. Today was definitely it. 216-474-0092. Uh, we're talking Browns. We've been talking Browns throughout the show. Kind of juggling a lot of different things right now. And I got another one I'm going to throw at you here momentarily. But I do want to go to Pat in Delaware, Ohio. Pat, what's going on, man? Hey, Spencer. How you doing, buddy? Uh, enjoying the show. Um, just wanted to uh, comment on the uh, sure. uh, pundit. Uh, the guy's right, an yeah. idiot. Idiot. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. Uh, you, you're going to have Pickett over to Sean, and he he was at Pitt College, you know, University of Pitt, and what's that, a Big E school? I mean, he had one formerly of the biggies. Now they're in the ACC, but yes. Okay. Okay. And, and he had one decent, you know, last uh, year in the NFL. So I like being an underdog. And um, I just think if, uh, you know, we might offensively start off a little bit uh, slow and that's where the defense keep us in games, help us. And, uh, I, you know, I think, you know, by the end of the year, like you said, um, at least a playoff win and uh, yeah. would be a successful so, season. So, Pat, so. let me ask you, because you were talking about 
you know, you're you're okay being the underdog, but you also mentioned like Nick Wright's an idiot. So does it bother you that more national pundits aren't recognizing the Browns and saying that they're going to be good? Like, do you want that for the Browns, or do you prefer that they kind of fly under the radar? I want them to fly under the radar. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It so even though the, you're the, calling Nick Wright an idiot, you're not really that agitated by what he had to say. You just think it's a stupid joke. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I was a little agitated, but, you know, he's he's also, you know, he's national. So yeah. um, it's, uh, I think we'll, it will be, you know, I hope pleasantly surprised I got some uh, good feelings. Yeah. So. yeah, no, I think you're right, Pat. I appreciate the comment. Uh, you have yourself a good night, all right? Good show, buddy. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I, listen, I, I think that the way I sum it up is this. A, the circle of life in sports media is these national pundits doubting your team. Like, you, you want that. I, I want that because it makes it fun when we get to, when Reflog or whoever on social media gets to find that clip and recycle it later if the Browns are good and we can sort of throw it back in his face and tag him or we get freezing cold takes on his ass or whatever it is, that's part of the fun of being a fan. So I can live with Nick Wright clowning the Browns. I can live with other national pundits clowning the Browns. They've been clowning the Browns for years. Let it be a surprise when it happens. Let us bask in it when it happens and let us rub it in their face when it happens. And the other part of it too is I just think like the national pundits, they're not paying attention to the day-to-day with all these teams, even if they sort of are able to pretend that they are on the, the stages that they're on. And to take it a step further, too, like this is just that's just the name of the game. I have gone so far working in this business, you realize at times that some people do it strategically. They know that they can run... How many times did Colin Cowher go with Baker Mayfield? It became like an everyday topic because he knew that his video clips and his segments were getting run on social media over and over and over again by Browns fans who were upset that they were that he was dogging Baker Mayfield. So I, it is done strategically at times too. Maybe Nick Wright actually believes this take as he's assessing the divisions and who has the worst and who has the best and quarterbacks and coaches and record-wise and all these different things. But I think largely it's a show. It's television. It's, it's, there's always going to be a little bit of a, of a jazzed-up take and jazzed-up uh, stance on things. And while I don't think it's all that jazzed-up to say the Browns are going to suck because it's been the thing to say for years now, um, I just, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it. I'll say this, guys. I think there's a better chance the Browns finish first than last. Even with some of the reservations I have and the prove-it-to-me attitude that I'm taking going into the season, I think there's a better chance they finish first in the division than last. I also think there's a better chance the Ravens finish last than they finish first. So there you go. I already feel better about the Browns than I do the Ravens looking at this division. 216-474-992. We're going to get to why uh, sometimes it's just... Sometimes you just got to cut your losses and... And move on. And it's for the best for both. We'll get to that here in a second, but Jeff and Will will be your next in the family. What's up, Jeff? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Yeah, I just love the fact that we are flying under the radar, especially what Nick Wright said. I mean, I love that. It's the best position to be at, you know, just people just doubting us and everything like that. But they're going to see really quickly in these first few games how serious our defense is. Like, I honestly, 
I am honestly feeling bad for Joe Burrow because you saw what happened to the poor guy last year. He's not really a mover in the pocket. Mm. And I think when you see Miles Garrett come on one side and the interior defensive linemen and the guys that we have on the outside, it's going to be a picnic field day. I, I feel bad. I think he's going to get injured really, really badly in that game. Very bad. Damn, Jeff, you're predicting injuries out here? No, I mean, I don't want him to get <laughs> injured, man, but I'm telling you, they should not put him out there because they don't, the, the NFL does not know what our defense is going to look like, what our defensive lines are going to look like, and how we're going to attack people this year, and we have the horses to do it. I just, I, they just need to be very cautious especially coming off of a calf injury, like what they're putting Joe Burrow out to, to, to get murdered in week one. And I just I, I don't think it's it's funny, honestly. Yeah, Jeff, I appreciate the call as always, my man. You have a good night. I think – I don't know that – I, I, as much as the Browns might be a secret, I don't know if their defense is going to be a secret. I think people are already taking notice of the defense. Uh, I mentioned Shield Kapadia's piece on he had the Browns uh, third overall – for his defensive rankings for every team, um, I think with some of the commentary you got from guys at the Eagles joint practices, talking about how great the Browns' defense was and how much praising Jim Schwartz, who obviously we used to work in Philly, like I like Jason Kelsey had a lot of good things to say about the Browns' defensive line. I don't think that it's a the Browns might be the best kept secret as a whole. But I think people are taking their defense very seriously. Not to say that they still won't wreak havoc against the Bengals week one and that Joe Burrow shouldn't be a little bit weary and scared. I think this division knows what they're getting into, though, with that team. Um, Maybe some are more afraid than others. Steelers have obviously owned the Browns over the years, so maybe they don't care. I'll never forget Mike Tomlin laughing about when they said, are you worried about Odell Beckham Jr. at all? And he just kind of laughed about it when he was with the Browns. So maybe he's thinking the same thing about the Browns' defense. Like, oh, yeah, we've seen Browns' defenses before. It's whatever. The Browns are the Browns, as uh, Juju Smith-Schuster once said. Maybe that's their attitude. I don't know. But I think that uh, these teams have all kind of taken note just of the conversations around this defense going into the regular season. And And rightfully so. Sitting here today, I feel better about the defense than I do the offense before the season starts. And I think a lot of people probably would echo that. 216-474-992 if you want to echo that. Also, when we get back, Cage York, no longer with the Browns. There was an opportunity to bring him back in the practice squad. Kevin Stefanski said they wanted to. They didn't end up doing so. He Well, they tried, but he ends up in Tennessee. Guys, it's probably for the best. And now we can all start to heal. We'll talk about it next before we get to Daryl Ryder at 9 here on The Fan. Darrell Ryder coming to you at 9. Hey, nobody aims to finish last in fantasy football, so get the latest news now and the best player insights until your season is done. Download Upper Hand Fantasy on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of fantasy, Michael Bohm in studio right now doing a draft of his own. I think it's going pretty well. Yeah, I like my picks so far. I'm really banking on... uh... Like, not investing a lot of stock in running backs at this point, but <laughs> Mahomes fell right in my lap. 
Uh, oh, you got Mahomes too. I got Mahomes, so I'm sitting pretty, Spence. Dude, beyond your running back situation, like your team does sound absolutely stacked. I'm drafting Antonio Gibson as we speak. He's got Mahomes, which I didn't know he had drafted Mahomes. Ceedee Lamb. He has Ceedee Lamb. AJ Brown, Darren Waller, Debo Samuel, but the running backs Rashad White and Antonio Gibson. Yeah, that's a pretty good team. Although I thought you were going to take Pickens there, and I would have loved it even more. Oh, I, I got him like, on my bench. Oh, you did? You did get? Are you are you on the turn? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you got to back to back picks. I, yeah, I did get Pickens. Well, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm 11th out of 12. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's a pretty good team. It's PPR, so it makes sense. We're having fun tonight. Yeah, I like it. I have actually, I have a draft tomorrow. Standard league though, so running backs matter a little bit more in that one. So I, I can't do your all receiver strategy, unfortunately. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. Uh. Guys, I know, I believe Kevin Stefanski when he says they tried to add Cade York back on the practice squad. And the reason I believe him is because, I said it yesterday, like, if there's one thing we know about this front office, in particular Andrew Barry, it's that he doesn't like being wrong about his picks. This is the first training camp slash preseason where he is just willingly moving on from his picks with the understanding that some of these guys just didn't work out and it's time to to cut the cut the cord. Because they have so much depth other, other with other players and in other positions that they can't afford to keep all these guys that were draft picks at one point. We know he likes keeping his picks around. We know he likes being proven right about his picks. So I can't possibly think anything else other than that they probably were trying to bring him back to the practice squad because I'm guessing they wanted to somehow, some way, end up being right in this situation. Everybody who was, uh, if any, if there was anybody left out there, I know there were some people, in the Cage York camp, their biggest argument was, well, you have to be patient with a kicker. Which is true, but the Browns don't have time to be patient. So their way of being patient, the the easy way for them to actually show some patience was bring him back to the practice squad, let him get reps with that group, and maybe one day he proves himself worthy of working back up to the 53-man roster, you put him on it, and then you're vindicated for drafting a kicker in the fourth round. It probably would have been a pie-in-the-sky scenario, but hey, it was worth a shot. So I do believe that they tried to retain him. But I'm going to be honest, it's probably for the best that he didn't come back on multiple fronts. I think, A, if he does come back on the practice squad, I just know how Browns fans operate. I know how we operate as a as a city and as followers of this team. And the second Dustin Hopkins would have missed a kick, it would there, there would have been there would have been a, it maybe would have started as a small contingent, but there would have been a contingent. They would have just been lurking, waiting for their moment. And that moment comes. Dustin Hopkins misses a game-winning field goal. And in that instance, this small group, this small coup of people rises up and they start on social media the thread and the retweets of maybe they should bring back Cage York. Bringing him off the practice squad. See if he can be your everyday kicker now. Dustin Hopkins ain't getting it done. We just lost a game because of him. The temptation would have been there. 
the temptation 100% would have been there. There would have been a, again, it would have been a small group. And then slowly but surely, they would have mounted more followers. It would have been like building a little army on social media and, and out, out there in the abyss. And it would have formed into a full-fledged revolt, clamoring for K-George to be back in the roster. I'd like to think that it would have been more sensible and people would have said, no, 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 we can't do this. Don't fall for it, guys. K-George was bad. He was missing kicks in the preseason. We can't possibly fall for this. But I know how we operate. And we see the shiny thing there, and we see, well, he had five weeks to kind of get himself right. Maybe it's time to give him another chance. We're five weeks into the season. Why not? After, Or I guess five weeks is the bye, but five, six weeks in. But why not give him a shot? Dustin Hopkins ain't getting it done. I didn't need to spend bye week radio talking about whether or not K-Jork should be called back up and given another chance. Because that's how it would have turned. I, I know how it would have gone. You can tell me this wouldn't have happened, but it would have happened. 100%. It would have been something we would have been talking about. And I don't need that. We don't need that. It's best that the two sides just move on. In Cage York's, uh, on the Cage York front, it's probably best for him too. Would you want to be somewhere after the beating he took all preseason? And we know he's on social media. He's got his own social media team posting things about him during games in the preseason. So you know he's paying attention to it. You know he's seeing it. If it was really mental with him, if it was in between the ears, he needed to get a fresh start somewhere else where he can clear his head and he can get away from a, a fan base that ha- that didn't believe in him anymore and the criticism that he was going to see all the time on social media and just the jokes that were going to be made, he didn't need that in his life. So I can't blame him for going somewhere else. And getting away from it, again, if it's mental for him, he's got to start with the clearest head he can. And that's with a fan base that, not that they, you know, men in black had their memory wiped, but a fan base that would maybe at least embrace him and give him a chance to develop and grow, which the Browns didn't have time for, and he can just basically start clean. They don't have the the PTSD of the misses that he had they can just look back at highlights of the Browns and say, well, that was with the Browns. This is a new opportunity. And we see kickers revive their careers. That's the the Carlson's, the whole Carlson situation that Kevin Stefanski probably felt betrayed by, or not betrayed by, but, but spurned by in the first place when he was in Minnesota. I think that's what he was trying to avoid. That actually might be part of the reason why yesterday when he was answering the question about Cage York, he sort of said, we, uh, Andrew, felt this was the best move. And kind of threw him under the bus, it kind of felt like. And, and we talked about the power struggle there. Maybe Kevin Stefanski wasn't on board with it because he saw the Carlson situation play out. And he wanted to stand by Cage York so that the Browns aren't regretting this later. I heard people throwing out the scenario that in uh, week four. Or sorry, week three. Cage York's up with the Titans, and he's kicking a game-winning field goal against the Browns. That will be the ultimate sign that this season just ain't going to happen. That, like, No matter how the first two games go, they could be 2-0, and they could be 1-1, and they could be 0-2. If they lost that game to the Titans, which they should win, on a K-Jorg field goal, I would just throw my hands up and 
You know what? I would just go into hibernation for the rest of the season. I'd say, wake me up when it's uh, training camp 2024. I'm good. I know how the rest of the season is going to go. But, guys, the other part of this with Cage York now not being in the building is that we can start healing from this. We can move on. We can close that chapter. We can start to forgive the the Browns for making this decision in the first place. We've seen the Browns botch picks before. We've seen them miss on guys early in the draft, late in the draft. We can get over that. If Dustin Hopkins becomes your steady Eddie kicker, making everything, uh, hitting game winners for you, and you're not losing games because of the kicking situation, then we can start to heal and move on, and we don't have to sit there and dwell on the fact that they drafted a kicker. And that's maybe the best part of all this. Door closes on Cade. We move forward one step at a time. We can. We don't have to necessarily forget, but we can forgive, and we can move past it as long as the team's winning and the kicking situation is solidified. If it's not, then yeah, we'll still have questions. But if it is, then this is where we start to heal. Was it a stupid pick in hindsight? Yeah, probably. But again, we've gotten over stupid picks before. That's not the worst of the problems. It would have been way worse if they had started the season with Cage York and signed up for whatever type of emotional roller coaster he was going to put the fans through, and it cost them games, and it cost them in the in the margins when the regular season started. They could not do it. This is the scenario that I can live with, and I can get past. The healing starts now that Cage York is officially not coming back to the Browns. 216-474-0092. If you want to jump in on anything Browns, anything we've talked about throughout the night, we got some fun stuff coming in the 9 o'clock hour. It starts with Daryl Ryder. I also want to bring up deal breakers for dating people because I had a jokey one with my wife the other day. And what's your expectation for the Guardians next year? We've had complete opposite ends of the spectrum the last two years, and it blew up in our faces this year. There's a lot of questions about that team. When you think about the 2024 season, what will your expectations be? All that and more coming up at the 9 o'clock hour here on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Spencer German in for JP on the fan.